Go on then. What are we watching? Oh, what about... Uh... In the... Uh, with Sky Stream. The new way to get Sky without a dish. Stream unmissable Sky exclusives like True Detective and Netflix shows like The Gentleman all in one place. For just €25 a month for 12 months. Search Sky Stream today. New customers only. 12-month minimum term requires broadband. Further terms apply. Here's what you just missed on the Indo Daily. Speaking to the Taoiseach's team, the strategy is to lay the groundwork so it's not Joe Biden standing on stage and suddenly oh, he starts talking about Gaza. Four agencies pulled the photo and that was unprecedented. This was probably not the picture she should have practiced her editing skills on. Daniela Flatter had been living in West Berlin. Her location was found by a local podcast. There were hundreds of police deployed to arrest this old woman who, by all accounts, was quite neighbourly, quite friendly. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. Board Gosh Energy, proud sponsors of the GAA All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship and GAA Legends Tour Series of Crow Park. Hashtag Hurling to the core. Hello and welcome to the Throw In Independent Dubai's GA podcast in association with Board Gosh Energy. I'm Will Slattery. I'm delighted to be joined for our football chat today by Dermot Crow, the Sunday Independent, and Tommaso Shea, Kerry Legend. Guys, how are things? Good. Good, yeah. And a lot of action to go over uh, now in the football. We'll also be joined by John Milan a little later to go over the, the, all the hurling uh, as well. But Tomas, I suppose it's, it's a big milestone for Kerry because as of this morning, they are now officially All-Ireland favourites in the bookies, so you can't hide behind Dublin still being the official favourites anymore, I suppose, after yesterday's game. A strange one in the sense that after Cork's first quarter, it looked like potentially a shot could be on the cards, but then 418 to three points thereafter, and it's about as dominant a display as we've seen from, from, from a Kerry team. You know, what, What's your kind of feeling on it now, uh, You know, 24 hours later? Yeah, I suppose we'll... <clears throat> It, it was a strange one. Like, I, I thought that Kerry would, I won't say coast, but I thought, I was very, very disappointed in Cork yesterday. Very disappointed. I mean, it started well and you were saying, geez, yeah, you're going to get something out of this. You're going to learn something out of this. And in the first 10, 15 minutes, you were looking at it and you were saying, whoa, they're coming, they're mixing their running game. Powder had a couple of runs up the field. Meehan took off. Uh, they were kicking ball in. The two hurlies were causing problems inside. Uh, and they got to the water break. Now, in, in between that, I think Kerry were kind of sloppy enough themselves with a couple of loose hand passes, a couple of stupid kick passes, a couple of wild kicks. David Clifford missed a one-on-one that you'd absolutely bank on him getting. But still, Cork were, were in the game. Jesus, what happened after was... was um, was from a cock point of view, it's it's ridiculous, and I don't know. I, uh, surely be to God, after the start that they had, there has to be questions asked about the last 45 50 minutes where there wasn't a kick at all, and there wasn't a move, there wasn't a switch, there wasn't a change. Um, but in terms of Kerry, they were ruthless, they just did what was asked of them. I thought Paddy Clifford was outstanding from start to finish, I thought he, um. Geez, he's all over the place. He's in a good way, in a good way. Um, and they all clicked in. But at that stage, Will, yeah, they are favourites and possibly because they've wiped. But I would really, really say that the, 
it would have been great even if Cork had been able to test them. I would have, you'd expect Cork to have been able to last 40 minutes. That's what I was thinking. But geez, I think they completely, totally, utterly collapsed as a team. I thought it was a bit of a disgrace, really, the way it just, I don't know, it's, it's very hard to put your fingers on it. Um, and management would have to look at themselves and, I don't know, it's the same story with Cork, isn't it? It's the exact same story. It, it begs the, quish, the question, like, what in the name of Christ were Kerry doing last year? Same, same Cork team, same, you know? Um, Kerry seemed to be, I think they're working like animals are all around the pitch. I think they have an edge, a harder edge this year, definitely. Um, and yeah, I, I, I would actually be a small bit, the Northern issue is a question for me, yeah, and I think you'd be questioned. I said it a couple of weeks ago, and it's working out exactly as that. Claire, they look after. Tiny, I thought there'd be a tiny step up. It was actually worse. So I, I'd rate Claire ahead of Cork. But it'll be a step up in Ulster, but the stars are aligning that Dublin or Kerry Cork would hopefully, or Kerry Dublin um, would, would hopefully meet somewhere along the line. Yeah, Dermot, uh, you know, interesting reading Frank Roach's piece in the game today, and he was saying, you know, Kerry were unbelievable, but with the caveat that Cork collapsed so thoroughly that he was kind of asking the question, how much do we read into it? Like, do we focus on Kerry's unbelievable attacking blitz that destroyed Cork, or do we kind of look more and say, well, do we know how good they actually are because of the Cork challenge? Like, where do you kind of fall in on that, that debate or that argument? I suppose it's hard to know with that, to be honest, with any certainty, but... Uh, like a 22-point win is a record win, which is which is incredible um, when you think of the long history of that fixture. Um, like I know Tomas is talking about Cork's kind of inexplicable collapse, and you know he's right to go from a position where you would have thought, say, with a start like that, um, with David Clifford held scoreless, um, which is incredible. Although he did fluff that chance. That, that Tomas talked about, he should have scored it, hit it straight at the goalkeeper. But with those things happening, you know, it seems set up for, a, for a, at least a fairly feisty second half, and it didn't happen. Uh, and they just bulldozed them in the third quarter. Now, Cork, um, like looking at, say, the league, which is a very, very honest uh, way of, of, of judging teams, uh, because it's a proper tier, tiered structure. Um, Cork were kind of in a relegation playoff in Division 2 and they've been hovering around that area for a while Kerry are a serious championship contender um, and the gap between that there's so many different layers in football now the gap between there and Division 1 is substantial you know and if you have a team um, gets a run on you like Kerry with the ability they have from midfield up with the attacking flow they have the scoring potential they have you can see it because Clifford only scored one point from a free and yet this they ran up what was it for what to get 422 or something like that uh then you know these things can happen these 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 extraordinary scorelines can happen you know and there is a very very big gap between the, the where where carrier and where cork are and um and and there was the proof that you know i mean when kerry got to uh up you know to 16 points 17 point lead they actually just sat in that for a while and um could have driven on if they wished, you know, if they were pushed. But they kind of sat there for a while and then they kind of put it, had a kind of a late kick where they ran off a few more scores and put it into the 20s, the margin of victory into the 20 plus uh, territory. Um, so the problem 
uh, is for Kerry is the lack of test, you know, the lack of real test and uh, the gradient should be going up as you go along. And she's winning a monster final by 22 points. I don't know if that much good to them, um, but they can only do what they have to do themselves to go in, uh, you know, against the Ulster champions. And it'll obviously be a different ball game. And it looks like, as, as, as Tomás said, it's just a waiting game really for, with the greatest respect to everybody else, uh, for another Kerry, Kerry Dublin final. Um, and, um, you know, the championship has had a lot of big, big, big hidings and uh, it's not good, you know. Considering the beating they put on Tyrone in the, that league semi-final, I suppose if they end up playing them in a semi-final in the All-Ireland series, I don't know if people will be talking that game up as, as a big a challenge as it might have been in years gone by. But to us, one thing you mentioned there, and you were talking about yesterday on the, on the television broadcast as well, is Potty Clifford's performance on his emergence this year. I know you mentioned that he's been doing this for East Kerry probably for a while, but for people who mightn't have been as familiar with him, he's been an absolute revelation. Uh, you know, why do you think it has taken him a while to, to kind of break into the team? It, has, has he needed to bide his time or, or what's the situation for people who maybe aren't as familiar with them as, as people down in Kerry? I think, to be quite honest about it, Will, I think it's been a mistake not to have him in there. I think if you look at Kerry the last few years, he is the, the type of player that you have missed within the Kerry squad. I mean, like, I think Kerry, I have lovely footballers. I have some great forwards, uh, possibly um, a back or two uh, still that you could put in there are really, really tight, two tight defenders, really, really full back, tight defenders that you could put in there. I think he adds to the whole balance of the team. I think he gives you something a la Paul Galvin that gives you that little bit of steel out around the middle who sees danger, who can read a game, who seems to be in the right place at the right time. And that isn't look, that's being able to read a game. And I think he has a he's a great kicker of the ball. Like, I think Cork made an awful mistake yesterday putting Powder on shining shape. Powder's game is running, right? And at one stage, Powder made a run upfield. Um, it was in the second half. And he was doing it in the first half as well, actually. But it was turned over deep and Paddy Clifford. It was a pass out to Paddy Clifford and he did it in a previous game as well. Outside of the boot, bang, straight down into Shawnee Shea's hands and it, was the, it, was the, the, it turned out to be a goal. But Clifford, like, it's very, very seldom, kind of like Doher in his day, where he can be back in defence at one stage, but then he is a goal-scoring threat. He is a point-scoring threat and he has that hardness and toughness about him. I don't think the Kerry management, he was seen in Kerry as being a loose cannon, as somebody you couldn't trust, as a guy who was a bit of wildness in him. And then as you're talking this and as, as, as this is being explained to you, you're saying, Jesus Christ, isn't that exactly what we were looking for? Isn't that exactly what we need inside the mix? Um, and I don't think he was trusted. I don't think he was trusted. I think he was looked at in a, in a wrong way. I don't think he was given a fair crack of the whip. I think in his interview yesterday on RT, the last question he was asked, did you think it would happen for you? And I thought it was a really genuine answer. He told the truth, like he said, I, I don't know. And I, I think he was wrongly overlooked for the last two seasons because people think, oh, they're after finding a gem. This fella, I, I saw this fella in a team with Shawnee Shea and Shawnee Potter and all these big stars with UCC when they won their last Sigerson was it three years ago? And I watched the semi-final and I watched the final. And they played a Dublin team and a Northern team. They played Mayor, was it Mary's Belfast? 
in the final, um, he was the dominant player in, in all two of those games. And he was one of the dominant players at East Kerry, a star-studded East Kerry team have. Um, I think it's, it's been a, a mistake. Now, he's in there and he's going well, and I'm glad he's going well. But I'd say he was overlooked because of the fact that he was uh, seen as, a, as somebody that would cause, cause too much hassle and wouldn't be able to control his temper. Whereas I found it myself when you were playing. At club level, you are that little bit loose. You are, and what I describe loose as, you'll take more chances and you'll do the devil because the referee, refereeing standards at club level aren't what they are at inter-county level. So that did happen to me a few times within club level and I'd say they thought, but I always found that myself. National League, grand, I, w- I was sent off a few times, but you can focus in and control yourself that little bit better in championship. I didn't get sent off that much in championship. But he has shown that because I saw him yesterday. He was poked at a couple of times by players and he didn't react. Uh, and I'm glad he's going well because he deserves it. He's, he's a, a right good talent. But um, like I suppose the other thing, and Dermot touched on it there, like with the, I think I described them as a kind of a, Division three slash two, they're about that. They were lucky to stay up in Division two this year. Westmead, you're looking at the players and you're looking at the squad and you're looking, and then you're going to have to look at management and you're going to have to say, How in the name of God can you not put into place a style of play a la Claire with Colum Collins that can make them competitive? Because you see the success they have at underage, you see what Rickon does with, with teams. One of the 20 lost very narrowly with an average Cork 20 team in Tralee last year, comes along and beats them again this year. Will probably win in All Ireland, even though they lost Corbett, their best player, to a cruciate injury. And you're saying, How in the name of God are Cork so competitive and so good and winning minors and winning under 20 All Irelands at underage? And then there seems to be this mental block at senior level where they can't actually take that step forward and become a team. They don't have to become our Ireland winners, but become a team that are consistent. Like somebody said it to me this morning, they're consistently inconsistent. Like, and it's, it's the management would have to look at it. I, I, it'd be very hard, Dermot. I don't know what your opinion would be. It'd be very hard after taking a hiding of 22 points and say, oh, we, we'll do something with this team. I don't know how you could. <laughs> yeah, um, I, Cork are kind of a, a mystery to me because of uh, just the size of the county, the you know the terms of the the numbers, and with the with the talent they have, the underage talent, the standard of player they produce at underage, uh, you know, within the twenty last year and the the last under twenty one championship, I think they. They, they 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 win that as well. I mean, they've they've got to minor finals, you know. So it's not that they don't have the caliber of a player, but um, they don't. They seem to underperform. They're one of these counties uh, in football that you know, looking over the, the over the history of the game, don't punch above their weight. They punch below their weight, and um, you know, who would ever think uh, in twenty twenty one that Cork would lose to Kerry by twenty two points in a monster final. You know, it, it's it's kind of extraordinary um, that it that it has happened, and um, I you know it's baffling. Um, so you know, I, I don't think it's it's kind of acceptable at all. Uh, so what the answer is, I, I'm not too sure. Um, obviously, there's there's a focus now on the management and how how they set up their team and how they do things. Um, like I mentioned earlier on. 
about COVID and all that and the impact of COVID on per team preparations. Um, Cork obviously were in poor light because of that earlier in the year, but uh, and that that could be a factor to a point, but it doesn't fully explain that the the, the, the the all the poor performances and the 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 underwhelming performances in Cork, given the resources, the size of the county, the record uh, at underage, um, you know, it just, just just doesn't add up. It was a tale of two collapses to Moss over the weekend, given Galway were in a commanding position at halftime against Mayo, you know, similar to Cork, then they completely fell away. Mayo roared back into it and probably could have won by even more if they took a few more of those goal chances towards the end. You know, what did you make of that game? I know you were in Croke Park, so you got a good view of it in the second half. It was, it was kind of been a theme of Galway since since COVID. I think the, the graphic of the game was they've only won two matches two, twice against Roscommon and they've had some very, very poor results, uh, you know, over the course of the last 18 months. Yeah, I, I think pre-match, we all kind of tipped Mayo to win it. And again, very like the first 15 minutes against uh, Kerry, you saw, with the Kerry Cork game, you saw Galway actually show up and then they start tagging the scores and um, a couple of goals went in. And they actually missed a couple of chances and you were thinking, right, this is going to be a right battle here. And at halftime, very easy to look at it now and say, Ash or Mayo were always going to overpower them. At halftime, if Galway had come out, the big question I had for Galway was, could they slow Mayo down around the middle third? And could the guys fire up front? And by the guys that fire up front, I'm talking about the Finnertys and the Kellys and the Comers and the Walshes in particular. And in that first half, Conroy was outstanding at midfield and he was running the show. And Walsh was absolutely on fire. He was taking them on. He was running. He was, he was spraying passes. But more importantly than that, Comer was a fulcrum inside in the full forward line where ball was sticking to him inside. He was winning ball and he was causing trouble. And that's a Mayo backline. Of all the backlines that are left in the championship, they are a hardy bunch and they're tight and they're tigerish and they're, they don't fear one-on-one situations like other counties, Kerry included, do. And you're thinking, Christ, they have these fellas rattled here. But then at half time, for whatever reason, like I, I looked at the, they kicked their first score in the second half, Galway, and they had a couple of misses. They, they had a couple of lads that came in on the end line Homer missed a fisted shot at goal when they were level um, that might have given them a kickoff, but they just looked flat and it was the 61st minute when I looked up when they registered their first score. And at this stage, Matty Ruan had thundered into the game. They were a lot sharper, a lot tougher, a lot more physical in the middle third. And it was a different attitude. The two McLaughlins added hugely to Mayo. A couple of switches that they made. McLaughlin, Kevin McLaughlin was involved in nearly every score that Mayo created in that first 10, 15 minutes. Um, but they got to grips with their kickouts. They squeezed Galway. And, but even that said, Will, I think, geez, Galway would have to be disgusted with the way they absolutely collapsed. They just, like, the life went out of them. And... Very like Cork, you'd have to say, Christ, where was the fight? Where was the battle? Where was somebody giving a dig somewhere? Like, where was just one score? Get a score to lift the tide. Let's squeeze up. Um, so, Parag Joyce, I, I, I saw this morning where Shane Walsh carried an injury into that second half. Um, and he was a loss. But I think they lost their shape. I think 
Homer was inside. He was out. Shane Walsh, because of his injury, I presume now, was put into full forward. Um, they just lost the run of the, of the match altogether. And it, once they, it collapsed and there was no punch back, there was no return at all at all, it was one-way traffic and Mayo, geez, Mayo just thundered into the game. And I thought what, what happened in the second half actually happened in the first half, if I'm quite honest about it. Not to the same degree that Gala wouldn't have any um, threat, but yeah, Mayo, Mayo, Mayo rattle whatever comes out of Leinster, which is Dublin. They will. They'll give him a good uh, rattle, I think. Yeah, Dermot, like after seeing Mayo yesterday and I suppose across the course of the campaign, given Killian O'Connor has been absent, how impressed have you been with them? And like Tomas said there, how close do you think they are to, to potentially you know, taking a big scalp if it is Dublin or, or going on and winning in All-Ireland? Well, <laughs> I suppose the, the, the big um, the, talking about about Mayo was Killian O'Connor's injury. And there's a kind of sense of um, nearly kind of fatalism around that in Mayo, um, even more fatalism than, than you normally find in Mayo, maybe, uh, because they felt that maybe that kind of killed their season, their, their prospects, you know, because um, uh, he's their main scorer and uh, an experienced player, as everybody knows. And the match is up to now, um, you know, Sligo, Leitrim. Like I saw, I saw the Sligo game. It was up Markets Park. Like, but it's 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 such a it was such a comprehensive win for for Mayo that you know how do you kind of what how do you read into that you know with any degree of certainty? But but just leaving all that aside, like Darren McKay and a few of those Brian O'Donoghue, they they did did look lively and 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 and, and uh, you know useful and you know Shea was causing trouble up there and and that and. Um, so the Galway game is seen as a, as a more competitive um, test, and then maybe a better you get a better read of what they're like, um, which you did to a point. But then Galway's total collapse in the second half is, is, is you know you, I think Mayo just upped the intensity, and um, they Galway definitely the Shane Walsh, Walsh knock or injury, whatever he picked up, seemed to be a factor. But the substitutions made a huge difference. So they finished with a much stronger side with the two McLaughlins on it. And with those fellas back, um, with injuries cleared up, with their experience at Croke Park, um, and you know, with, with, an, with an improved forward line performance with Kevin McLaughlin in there, they have a shot at it, definitely. They have a shot at it. I mean, um, I think, say, for example, one of the things that changed between the first half and the second half yesterday was Tommy Conroy, who was very kind of outed in the first half. He took one awful shot for a point into the hillside, you know, after doing the initial work well and uh, very patchy second half. He just upped his game completely, got a few great scores, went at the Galway defence. Um, you know, when they're playing like that Mayo, they, they, you know, they usually have a good performance in them in the big games in Croke Park. And, uh, you know, they're, 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 um, you know, I think they'll give it a right rattle, to be honest with you. I think they're in a good place. I think they're an odd team, an odd mentality in Mayo. Years ago, when before they got to the 80, I think it was the 88 All-Ireland semi-final were playing Mead, and someone said afterwards that they were trailing Mead by about seven points on the, the home run, you know, the game was gone from them. And they hit, they played their best football from there on. It was like the pressure was off them, you know, that kind of mentality. And uh, with, with, oddly enough, in a bizarre way, with a corner out of it, it kind of nearly gives them an excuse, well, sure, look, we can always fall back on that. Maybe take some of the pressure off them. Sometimes when there's forwards like that who are prominent forwards um, in, in, in a setup, when they're taken out of it, some of the others, there's a different dynamic in the forwards then. Others come up 
uh, step up to the plate and they maybe feel a bit freer and all that. Like even back to what Tomas was saying about Paddy Clifford is interesting um, that he seems to be like a free spirit um, kind of figure and he's added something new and fresh to it. So there's a kind of a freshness. The other thing, Matthew Ruan was, was fantastic and uh, kind of nearly Fintonesque, maybe without putting too much pressure on him. You know, he did a lot of grace. He, he was very, very involved, he got a great goal. Uh, I was impressed with Brian O'Donoghue, I have to say. I thought he was lucky not to get that goal, to have that disallowed later on. Um, and, um, you know, there, there, there's a couple, like in the first half, the Shane Walsh, when he set up that goal for um, for Comer, it was a bit alarming, mind you, because the, the way he went past O'Shea and, and uh, Patrick Dorkin, uh, would, would like he just flew past them and they, they looked they looked slow you know they were caught badly there so that was a bit of a concern going into any semi-final but but on the whole they had a very strong finish strong second half and Galway were very disappointing like three three frees in the second half not to score till about the 61st or second minute was, was shocking they had one chance when Comer hit the crossbar which you probably saw when he was back to goal and old style flick and it came off the crossbar, and even the rebound fell kindly for Mayo. Maybe a score there might have changed the momentum a small bit, but you couldn't get they couldn't get a score, uh, and uh, and they were just swamped, you know. And a few injuries as well, like as I say, Shane Walsh, Sean Kelly went off, and Robert Finnerty went off the first half. Um, but I think mostly it was just a change in attitude. They got the early goal in the second half, Mayo, and they kicked on from there. They just wired into wired into goal. They had to answer. Um, so I need to go back to answer your question long-winded way I went about that but I think Mayo do have a crack at it I think they really have a crack at it you know there's a big game there's two big games and I'm not too sure and I don't see them beating two but they might catch one of them Yeah Tomas maybe just to wrap up then with Mayo and Kerry looking so impressive and Dublin in action next weekend against Clare like, what is your view on Dublin and where they are at there's been so many murmurings about what's happening in the camp and obviously the absence of some key men and, and how the team is performing you know What's your read on that situation at the moment? Um, just on the on the mail, I think Jim and O'Connor are back. It was a key thing for them as well. Um, but yeah, Dublin, I, I I think they're 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 not the Dublin that they were. And I think a good friend of mine in Dublin always said to me, even going arguing when that huge debate was there about the advantages that Dublin had in terms of finances and in terms of population and in terms of that, that this seven in a row and everything would continue on and that Dublin would dominate football for years to come. And he was always telling me, and the argument that a lot of, uh, that wasn't taken on board or wasn't accepted was that Dublin would uh, churn out Kieran Kilkenny's and Brian Fenton's and and Bernard Brogan's and Conor Callahan's and it now looks like maybe that this super 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 kind of a, a system that Dublin have isn't all as it was that maybe the lads were saying that yeah it, uh, there's a part of it that says they are a once-off group of players and I won't say that they're going to fall off a cliff because population will mean they'll always have players coming through. They'll always, always. But I think it's a time where Dublin have, right now, and we saw it against Meath in the last game, they have six, about six or seven players that are capable of still winning them in All-Ireland this year. 
and maybe next year. You have the Brian Howard, you have Conor Callahan, you have Kieran Kilkenny, you have Brian Fenton, you have James McCarthy, and I'm forgetting somebody. Am I? Did I mention Kilkenny? Dean Rock, maybe. Dean Rock. Those players are absolutely key. Now, where I think, and it's not saying that they're poor players, but I think the rest of the players then aren't at the standard that Dublin were at in terms of their full 15, maybe three or four seasons ago. I don't think their subs bench is where it was three or four seasons ago. I think automatically when you change somebody like Jim Gavin and Desi Farrell, it's not like Desi Farrell is an outstanding manager, has proven himself at minor level and 21s. But it doesn't matter how good you are. If a different voice comes into a dress, dressing room, if the dynamic is different inside in the dressing room, fellas that are there years and years that are used to one thing, it changes for them. I'm not saying it changes for the bad or the good, but something happens within that dressing room. I think this is, is, would be one of the sweetest All-Irelands for Dublin to win if they actually pulled it off. And I don't like to kind of talk that goes around, and, and you said it at the start of the show there, well, in the way Kerry are swatting teams over the way they are gone in as favourites, that's based also on the way that Dublin performed against Wexford and I suppose the way they collapsed, well, not collapsed, but the way they, they were hauled back in by Meat for a, a time there in the second half. And I suppose it's not the Dublin we're used to. And the big, big question is now, will they ramp it up in the final against Kildare? And can they, can Mayo, a fella says to me to be typical Mayo, I guarantee you Mayo will beat Dublin, he says, and Kerry will again beat Mayo. And I said, geez, you're looking too far ahead. I think Dublin need to steady the ship. Dublin, you see, there's a lot of talk. I think that Cluxton thing is hanging over them. I don't think they dealt with it very well. I think um, when, that, when something like that happens to a squad, it's allowing you, or it's leaving you open to constant scrutiny and constant questions and constant, uh, is there a problem inside? And all these stories are coming around and there's nobody deflating anything by just saying, what we associate with Dublin is, they come out with a statement, they nip it in the bud, they say nothing other than what this little statement does and all our talk and all our guesswork is just gone. And I think that kind of air of confidence, an air of organisation, an air of... There's something about the mask that's after coming down a small bit, and I think teams will have that little bit more belief going in against them, basically. Um, and I don't care. I've always said it. I've always said it. I don't care how good. And they're saying that Evan Comerford is a clone of Cluxton. And I've no doubt that he's performing. He's an excellent, excellent goalkeeper. But I've seen Cluxton winning matches for Dublin and they'll always look up the far side and Dean Rock's great kicks and great frees and they're pulling away at the end of the game. I guarantee you, you go back in all of those games and Cluxton with clutch moments, as they call it, has kept Dublin in games. Those finals that they won, one point, two points, three points, guarantee you, Cluxton, in the, if it's in the fire... Then and if Comerford pulls off what Cluxon has pulled off for many a year, then I'll take my hat off to Comerford. But I do think they're the most vulnerable I've seen them in ten years. Well, it certainly sets it up to be an intriguing few weeks in the football championship. And now goodbye to Boss O'Shea and we'll welcome in John Milan for our hurling chat on the Throwing Podcast in association with Board Gosh Energy. Dermot Crow is staying here with us. 
And John, I'll go to you first, considering it was such an amazing weekend for your county, holding off Galway and that absolutely thrilling qualifier, leading by 16 points, I think, uh, at the second half water break. Got down to a one-score game uh, in the end before Waterford just about pulled away. You know, this is a couple of days later. How do you reflect on, on such a crazy game? Yeah, and look, if I'm if I'm totally honest with, and everyone within the county are kind of blown away by uh, the first half performance. I, th- I don't think anyone foresee this. You know, foresee this result coming. No, I wouldn't say foresee the result coming because. You always knew you, you had a chance. And look, a record against Galway is, is considerably good. And as I said last week in, in the article, it was it was a case of, you know, which Galway was going to turn up. Uh, and we were expecting a backlash, but the backlash never came. And, and the backlash came from Waterford more so than anything else. And they were, they were just extraordinary. It was, the first half was just frightening. Absolutely frightening. And it, it was... Reminiscent of the second half performance against Kilkenny last last year. And I actually think the game against Leash, albeit, you know, the result probably wasn't what people expected. People were expecting a, a comfortable win. But I relate back to that game against Leash and it was the manner in which they, they, they closed out the game. When questions were being asked, they came with the answers. Uh, and I think... The game stood to him. Galway didn't have a, have a game in in a game in, in in three weeks, and they're 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 right in the mix now. And uh, I just honestly think I think momentum is with him going into going into this weekend. And I don't think anyone will want to play him. That's that's being straight with you because if if they bring that level of performance that we've seen for thirty five minutes, you know, they 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 can beat anyone. And and you know if they can even bring that level of performance thirty five minutes, you know, against Limerick. You know, they're probably the one team that, that could go and, and, and trouble Limerick. I thought, you know, we, we, we also remarked last week of how crucial Barron and Prunky were. Uh, and look, for me, going into the game, we were down um, to Burke, as we all know. Stephen O'Keefe was after, after retiring. Then we lost Irla Daly, who would, who would fit into the, into, into the pocket for, uh, for the Burke. And, you know, mind that area, he was gone. And then you were just, I was kind of going based on, you know, Barron is only getting 12 minutes into the legs. You know, what way is he going to be? What way is Punty going to be coming back from 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 um, from serious injuries? But we've seen it, you know, how how, how crucial Barron and, and Punty are, and, and, and particularly Barron, he was, you know, he's key to the whole lot. And I think even going forward into this week and hopefully the, the following week, you know, I will be rapping wrapping Jamie Barron up in, up in Cottonwall. And, you know, I thought Desi Hodgson, albeit didn't score, I thought he was he, he, he was excellent up top. And, but I, I think from a Galway point of view, I think it's it's possibly the end of a road for, for this team. They've been they've been a great team. You know, they've had the, the success in 2017. They've had Leinster success. They've had league success. And, you know, what we're finding out now, Will, is that speed is king. And if you don't have speed, you don't have speed out around that middle third. I'm I, I'm going from your half back line up to your half forward line. You're not going to survive. And unfortunately for for Galway, they didn't have enough speed out around that area. Um, and Waterford just went to town in in in, in the in the first half, and it, it was it was good enough to see him over the line. And again, look when the questions were being asked in the last five or six minutes, 
you know, they, they responded very, very well and, and they closed out the game and, you know, they were deserving winners and, you know, they can they can kick on to this weekend now that they, they play Tipperary um, and it's 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 a fixture. It's it's a bit watering fixture to, to look forward to again this weekend, but all in all, all credit to, to the lads, they were they were excellent. Yeah, Dermot, I suppose as we sit here Monday morning, like what, what is the bigger story for you? Is it Waterford and their impressive performance, opening up a 16-point lead by the second half water break and kicking on and ultimately holding on? Or is it Galway and how they came in as second favourites to Limerick? A lot of people thinking they were a good All-Ireland uh, contender. They lose both their championship games and, as John says, possibly the end of a line for a team that, after 2017, people thought were primed to go on and win multiple All-Irelands. Yeah, well, John has spoken mostly there about uh, Waterford, so maybe I'll just focus a bit more on, on the Galway side of it. Um, it. What John says is very true uh, about speed, um, and Waterford had of it had an abundance, you know, and and that was an issue for for Galway maybe, and uh, a lot of uh, attention was was on Joe Canning passing the the, the championship uh, all time scoring record um, on Saturday. Um, and they've been kind of using him out around the middle of the field and all that. You know, he's going to be 33 in October. Um, and it's kind of a game now where around that area, you're talking about Jimmy Barron, players like that. Uh, you need kind of fast, speedy players, you know, and uh, Waterford were kind of just going full throttle, coming off the shoulder. Credible Jack Fagan got a point there where I don't know who did the offload. Was it Barron? And I only saw the highlights. Of, it was at the Cork game, Cork Clare game. Um, and he was thundering forward, hitting it, you know, at, at, uh, at full speed. And, and just Galway were really struggling to live with that kind of pace. Um, it's a very, very bad defeat for Galway. There's no way uh, of getting around that. And it's another disappointing season, you know. And um, given the talent they've had, um, and I know they waited a long time for that All Ireland in 2017, 29 years, and we're very grateful for it. Uh, but the the return of one All Ireland for that kind of bunch of players, I think, is disappointing. Uh, assuming they don't win one in the next few years, and think as John alluded to there, I think there will have to be changes, and I think the team in its current form will have to change. So, um, it, they were incredibly flat, it seems, in the in the first half. There were, you know, the, the game against Leash. Like John said, I think um, it's a great benefit. It's a championship game, no matter what. And the fact they were tested would have stuffed them. And Galway's break was probably a problem, but it still doesn't explain the team being that flat, um, you know, with that experience. And even when they got back into the game, I know they had a man extra. Uh, extraordinary as it was, they got back to three points. And the kind of game management after that, where Waterford came back and scored three points, with the extra man, uh, that Galway had was very poor, you know. I mean, you shouldn't be allowing a team back scoring three points back like that before they got the other goal, and then it was too late. But so, you know, they were making mistakes, they were letting fellas pick off scores from the sideline and things like that. Um, now, that's purely from a Galway point of view. Obviously, Waterford were in exceptional form and they, they played really well. It was a tremendous victory for them. But just there was a lot of disappointing aspects of it around it for Galway, and I suppose for Shane O'Neill. You know, it's just particularly disappointing to be a focus on him now, I guess, um, as well, uh, because it's the second disappointing year, as I say, where they haven't gone as far as they might. But it, like last year, at least, they kind of they left the championship with some um, some credit. But this year has been a fierce disappointment. 
Yeah, as you say, they were the only team really to get near Limerick last year. Yeah. They were level going into injury time in that Ireland semi-final. And, and John, I suppose if you look at the two teams, you know, Waterford experienced that disappointment against Clare. Galway experienced disappointment against Dublin and they just reacted so totally differently. Like Liam Cattle for the second year in a row has shown an ability to get his team to just perform really big on the big days. Yeah, 100%. I suppose, look, and I suppose Liam, Liam um, Cattle was... was you know, very honest in when he reflected on the, the, the defeat against Clare, you know, in, in that he was a small bit inexperienced in, in, in how he went about his approach going, in, going into the next game. And I think uh, he has to be applauded for that. But look, as I said, you know, Waterford, you know, what, what this result clarified the weekend is that Waterford are a serious, serious side. And, and and I'm even looking at the odds for the for the All Ireland at present, after the draw was made today, and I think it's a bit disrespectful to this team that they're still 14 to one to win the All Ireland, they're second second last favourites behind uh, Dublin, and I think I think this Warford team, I think after Limerick possibly Cork, I think the lads reflected on the last night in the Sunday game. I think they're they're they're, they're one of the Top, they're, they're in the they're in the top three, and uh, he's most certainly building something there. He he something in Waterford, and it's 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 fantastic to see. And you know you, you go, you know you flip that over with, with Galway, and I think there's a big big rebuilding job there for 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 whoever if whether Shane O'Neill stays on or whoever comes back in. You know, particularly after they win in the the four four minor titles, and I, I just think, you know against the Dublin game and I just think you know even in the Warford game I just don't think Shane O'Neill probably you know set out his stall the way he should have been I just think there was too much chopping and changing you know you're looking at a player like Fintan Burke who, who, was, who was on the bench you know he, one of the games he had Adrian Tiwi up wing forward you know for me he was a top top corner back in, in 2017 why he wasn't in the back line is is beyond me. Why he didn't start Evan Nyland? Why he didn't start Jason Flynn? When you see what what what, what he brought to the table when, when when he came on, and these are those are four lads that have that have legs, speed, and if you're going to take on the likes of the Waterfords, the Limericks, the Corks of this world, lads, you need speed, speed, and and unfortunately now the way the game is going now, even lads that played back in my era, the nineties. Naughties, they wouldn't they wouldn't live in today's today today's game and, and top top players at that because the game is just you know it's 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 all based around around speed now you know yeah Dermot so speaking of Cork you were at the game against Clare as you mentioned earlier you know another similarly thrilling finale as well Tony Kelly getting in for a goal chance that I think most people would have expected him to put in the back of the net but it was a great save by Patrick Collins Cork march on they played Dublin in the All Ireland quarter final. I was interested to see like, Brendan Cummins writing today's Irish Independent. He was quite I was positive about how far Cork can go in this championship. You know, from what you saw of them over the weekend, do you think they have a big say that they could potentially challenge a Limerick or, or a team like that? Um, I, I think, like, I mean, obviously they, they, they've played Limerick already and uh, there, was, there was a lot of positive... Uh, uh, Stuff in that game for them because they they they, they really did push Limerick, uh, you know, well into that match. And but for poor shooting, 
would probably have put more of a press on Limerick. Um, now, they, you know, this is an excellent victory for them uh, because they had to kind of, a lot is made of, of Cork's, um, you know, talent, uh, speed, uh, you know, that they're doing very well at underage level and all that kind of thing. But And they're quite a young team. Um, but they had to kind of, kind of grease it out because Clare had a bit of a run in them. Uh, they overturned the deficit, went ahead, um, you know, come up to about an hour, the hour mark or so, and they were in a bit of trouble. So they had to kind of dig it out, Cork, you know, and they had to kind of fight. Um, so that that is a sort of an encouraging aspect to it for, for many young side. Um, they had, you know, they kind of developed the team. There were changes in it. Robert Downey came in, played well, very well at fullback. Because Damien Cahalan was out with appendicitis. Colin Spallan is back there and on the bench. I see after injuries, another good defensive option. So they're still kind of working it through. Seamus Harnady showed a rejuvenation in form was very good. Uh, Horgan was much better uh, from the from the from the from the Limerick game. What they have, I suppose, is you know, Cork coming into Cork Park have have, have a kind of a, a tradition. They have you know, they have the speed that John talks about, no doubt, and they have a very good goal scoring knack. And if they can unleash that, um, and that's what beat Clare essentially, uh, they have a chance. Uh, I think Waterford will be a bit ahead of them, and I don't think they're quite at the level that Limerick are yet. Uh, so I have my doubts, but they're heading in the right direction. You know, they're not that that the capacity for goals. They had about eight, seven chances against Clare to score goals. If they were a bit sharper, they could have got more than three. So, and they've been working on that clearly. So they have a plan and they have players capable of executing that. They know exactly what direction they're headed. Um, so, yeah, they're in there. They're playing Dublin. They'll be favourites to win that. And they're in the semi-final then after that. So, you know, I don't think they're good enough to win the All-Ireland personally. But, you know, they're, 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 it wouldn't be a huge shock if they did either, I guess. Yeah, John, what's your assessment of them? Do you think they can win the All-Ireland? Oh, you couldn't write them off. Absolutely not. No way. Um, I, I've been banging the drum about, about Cork the last couple of weeks. I think if they get into Crow Park, they're going to be ex- extremely dangerous. Uh, that was a big, big win for him the weekend. You know, I thought Robert Downey, you know, I was delighted to see him being tried out of fullback because, you know, the last couple of years he's been wing back, you know, around the half back line. I think they played him in a, in a league game. Uh, full back it was 18 months ago he was very good we didn't see him, see him there again and I thought he came in and done a, done a very, very good job there uh, as as Darren has alluded to there you know Spillane is, is due back you know Cooper got on the field the weekend and they have speed they have speed I mean Dak O'Connor frightening speed uh, Robbie O'Flynn Harnerty Seems to be seems to have his mojo back. They have a very very good midfield in Dara Fitzgibbon, um, Luke Mead. Yeah, I think I think look, Cork are, are on the rise, and and you know if they get over Dublin, and I think it's the draw of, if if Waterford possibly beat Tipperary, they divide Limerick then. So there's every every chance they, they could make a final, and you know Cork in a final, you wouldn't write them off, but. Yeah, no, something is, is, is definitely happening down Lee's side. Uh, and, you know, I wouldn't like to be playing him. And uh, I think I think, I think think they'll win the weekend and that'll put him in a semi-final. And I just think, again, a bit like Waterford, momentum will be with him. And they seem to be building down there. Uh, so, yeah, for me, I, I don't think you could write him off. I think they have every chance. 
And Dermot, I know Claire obviously came out on the wrong side of the result, but but overall in 2021, how, how do you think Brian Lowe and, and, and the Stoker panel will reflect on it, considering you know they started with a defeat to Antrim and then I think they lost a lead against Wexford the following week and you know with all the off-field stuff as well. I know you were writing about it at the time. It was a very tumultuous period, but they did seem to rebound quite well, put in some very you know impressive performances. And you know while they have been eliminated, is there a bit more positivity around the team now than you would have maybe thought earlier in the campaign? I, yeah, I think so. Well, I mean, I, I like I've personally felt that the the Antrim defeat too much was nearly made of that. You know, um, I thought it was maybe overblown in terms of the consequences of it. That's just like a personal view. I thought Antrim were kind of making some progress. Yes, it was a bit of a surprise, but they're difficult up there, and they showed that afterwards. But anyway, um, the yes, they're, they're finishing on a on a positive really. Um, Tony Kelly had that chance at the end. Uh, you would have backed him. To, to score it, you know, I mean, he was after bringing them back into the game by winning a penalty just a couple of minutes earlier, and he was in that kind of groove. So it's a very, very fine line between Clare being in the in the in the in the draw or being in the quarterfinal and and and, and not being. Uh, so they were slow to start on Sunday or on Saturday. Uh, which was typical of them because they've been very quick out of the blocks for the previous games. But their form was good, well, and they've kind of. They're defensively you now. They look a bit well. I would say the full back line looks a bit better. Now the half back line has issues. Uh, the decision to move John Conlon back, uh, while you might say not venture, not gained, I think ultimately didn't really work out. You know, and maybe it was too late in the season to maybe start moving that around again. Um, Polly Fitzpatrick, you know, did really well to come back into the setup at a late stage in his career and give some great performances. But we talked about pace. Maybe pace wouldn't be one of his strengths, so they made a change there. Got David McInerney in there, so they have to work on that half back line certainly for next year. Uh, up front, they definitely miss Shane O'Donnell. If you put him back into that mix, uh, the forwards did quite well, but they were a bit thin on the bench on on Saturday. So they need to kind of try and strengthen the the squad. But just from an overall point of view, if you're saying was it a good year for Clare, even though it finished disappointingly. Uh, I would say probably yeah, and I would pe- think people feel that Lohan is on the right track, and there's a good um, energy around the team, definitely, and they seem to be playing for him, and they seem to be uh, upbeat about it. Uh, bear in mind as well, and I suppose this applies to to Shane O'Neill or to any of the other managers, I suppose that are uh, after coming off the back of defeats now and maybe bad seasons that the, the COVID aspect, which has limited, the truncated the season basically and made it um, unconventional and, and, and a shortened season and changed the whole preparation, all that, um, has probably to be weighed in in any kind of assessment of a manager's performance, I think, to be fair, particularly last year. And uh, this was a bit more like the real thing with the summer summer hurling and, and, and football and that and with uh, smaller crowds and a bit of atmosphere. But the whole preparation obviously was held back with COVID and it's very hard to manage a situation like that and to see where you're at, you know. So I think that would nearly need to be factored into the equation when you're assessing any. But by and I think people, you know, I couldn't see how you wouldn't see it as being anything but positive. And let's see how it goes maybe for a third season now when it's more hopefully a natural, proper open season with no restrictions and proper preparation. You know, that's going to be the key one. But he has work to do. He has work to do in defence. He was defender himself. Uh, I think he'd be happy the way Colin Cleary Cleary played on the whole full-back. Rory Hayes, very good. Struggled a bit now, all right, on Jack O'Connor. But a good mobile cornerback, which they needed. And Paul Flanagan, the other corner, doing well. 
probably okay in their wings. They just need to fix that thing. John Connell won't be centre back next year, and I'm sure he'd be happy to to, to not be. And uh, they probably missed him up front as well. So, but overall, yes, positive. I think, and I think they'll, they'll take a lot from the championship. Yeah, John, we might go to you there for the last word. It sets things up nicely for this weekend, the two quarterfinals. Waterford Tipperary, we touched on earlier, Cork Dublin. Who do you see coming out on top in those two games? Yeah, well, look, if Waterford bring to the table what they brought last weekend in the first half, you know, I'd give them, I'd give them every chance of beating Tipperary. Uh, look, our record against Tipperary, we've played them. But since since we beat him in 2008, I think Shane McGrath touched on it there on, on Radio 1 this morning. I think it was, we've played him eight times. We've lost seven and, and, and we, we, there was one one draw. So uh, I think this time has come now where we've, we've got to put that to bed now. And, you know, I think we've got to o- overcome Tipperary. But look, you know, what Tipperary, how, how psychologically are, are Tip going to be, be affected after that, that Limerick game? Knowing Sheedy, I think Sheedy will have them right at it. Uh, a lot will depend on, on the venue, obviously, whether it be down in Cork or, or possibly uh, will it be in possibly Nolan Park. But I think if, if our lads, if they perform to the levels they performed last weekend, I I I think they'll, they'll, they'll win the match. But, you know, nothing surprised me in this game. Like, who would have foreseen that Waterford performance last weekend? You know, so we've, we've got to be mindful of, of you know, how good Tipperary are and they've got some top, top players. Uh, so look, it's, and look, in the media, it's going to be built up all week, Liam versus Liam, but I think Liam Cattle will be, you know, he's a very astute, he's very shrewd. Uh, I think he'll manage that and he'll realise that, look, it's it's not about him or it's not about Liam Sheedy, it's just about uh, winning a game of game of hurling next Saturday. So yeah, I think Waterford and I think Cork, Dublin, I think, uh, you know, they met last year I actually tipped Dublin to beat Cork last year in, in, in the winter hurling. A lot will depend on, uh, you know, Owen O'Donnell, will he start? You'll, you'll have the, the COVID boys back as well. They won't be, uh, they won't be affected by it this weekend. Um, and just, just going on the COVID, I just think lads have got to be very, very cautious now over the next couple of weeks for whatever teams are still in the championship. And it might be even a small thing about travelling your car alone, you know, and not bringing a lad, you know, not bringing two or three lads in, in your car. And, you know, even a small thing last night, you're watching the, the match, like, and you're seeing lads swapping jerseys, like, like you know, a, a jersey full of sweat of your opponent, like a small thing like that, like, you know, that I just think needs to be avoided because, you know, one thing, a lad gets COVID or, you know, you're a, if, if there's a COVID case and you're a close contact, that really, that could possibly rule you out for, for a quarter final and possibly a, a semi final. So I think lads got to be very, very mindful of that going forward over the course next week, couple of next, couple of weeks. Um, but look, for me, I just think something is, something is happening down at Cork. I think uh, I did say that if they could get over the line against Clare, I think they could go deep into this championship and, and there's, there's every possibility they could go all the way to the final if, if, if they avoid Limerick. So I just think Cork, after getting that game under their belt last weekend, getting a bit of a fright. And I just think with the, with the abundance of speed, you know, the forwards, they have that goal trade up, up top. And I think they've, they've a couple of more players coming back, like Spillane, Cooper. I would give a Cork the nod. So I'm going to go for Waterford and Cork. Man. Well, it's so to be two thrilling quarterfinals. John, Dermot, thanks so much for joining me. Oh, what a win.
That's all we have time for this week on the Throw-In Podcast in association with Board Gosh Energy. We will be back next week with another podcast looking back on all the weekend's action. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye. Board Gosh Energy, proud sponsors of the GAA All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship and GAA Legends Tour Series of Crow Park. Hashtag... Hurling to the core.